Hello, and welcome to The Embargoed, the only podcast that gives you the unvarnished truth about the world of technology public relations. Our aim is to go behind the headlines to tell you what's really going down and have a little fun in an industry that often takes itself too seriously. Every Thursday, we touch on the top stories of the week, dissecting the worlds of technology, business, politics, pop culture, and whatever else we can examine through the lens of public relations and corporate communications. We promise to be honest, straightforward, and mostly irreverent. We'll never bore you with details about which company announced what, unless, of course, we really like the what. And it is the greatest show on podcast universe, The Embargo. Welcome, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Dave. Great That's to be here. That's a 1977 stick song called The Grand Illusion. Perfect for us PR folks. <laughs> That's our job, man. We're making magic every day. Putting it every day. So uh, today is Thursday, May 6, 2021. We're on our, like... We're in the double digits now, Kevin. We're 13, 14 show. Ready really? to go. So I hope people are out there listening, man. Yeah, I think they are. They're getting out there. Let us know. Let us know if you like it. Yeah. Um, dude, so how are you? I'm okay. It's been a busy week. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, just hammering through some, some client work. Um, you know, three kids wrapping up the quote unquote school year. And uh, looking forward to the summer, even though I'm yeah. sure it'll be much of the same. How about yeah. you? I came crashing into this recording of podcast today. I was like, kept looking at my clock going, oh my God, we got to record this thing. So, uh, all right. This week is special because yeah. we have a guest, a special yeah. guest. Right on. Um, and uh, I brought him on the show because about, gosh, it's been like six, at least six to eight years uh, since I first heard him. The gentleman's name is Mike Maney. I met him when I was working at Pivotal Software. And the first time I met him, he was on a conference call leading the communications for this thing called the Cloud Foundry Foundation. Uh, and there was probably six, seven, eight companies on board on this conference call, Mike's leading it. And it, and it's a, it's a foundation, you know, you gather people around and everybody provides input. He's, you know, it's collaborative. Hmm. He's, he asked for a request and the place was silent. And he was like, very nonchalantly said, uh, okay, everybody don't get all too excited right now. You know, and just called all our bluffs, right? right. And like literally all these corporations are on there. And I was like, fuck, I like this guy. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Mike Manny. How are you? <laughs> oh, I am really, really happy to be here. This is going to be a blast. <laughs> so I Mike, tweeted what, him a couple wait, weeks wait, ago. Wait a second. What, yeah. what, what, what ended up happening, Mike, when you called everybody out like that? Did, uh, did anybody pipe up or? Uh, well, as or David said, it was, 
it was collaborative. And I think he used that in quotes and it was uh, <laughs> you know, dealing, with, dealing with big companies. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, you break the ice. And a lot of times that's what we have to do as corporate communicators is we got to play that instigator and not be not be afraid to talk. What percent of the seven or eight people on the call were just there billing time? Oh, it had to have been. It had to, right? it had no, to like, be. I got 30 minutes here, Mike. Please you know, give me a break. I'm just trying to build this half hour. All right. I, I will admit that I was stuck in a little one of these telephone booths. Um, and I was with my colleague, Mike Ware. Mike Ware, if you're out there, love you, man. And we were just kind of sitting there, kind of doing other things on our laptops because we were busy. And we had to sit on this Cloud Foundry call that was out of our hands because it kind of, Cloud Foundry Foundation kind of came out of Pivotal spun out and we gave it over to the this foundation and i was like great somebody's going to handle this <laughs> and they'll give it to mike and i i didn't know i had to participate well, <laughs> after it was handed over <laughs> the, the dirty little se- the dirty little secret that nobody knows is i had some experience some previous experience with that uh when i was over when i was over at ibm so i spent six years uh in ibm's communications department in the software on the software team and i never really fit into a normal mold so I got put into some really cool uh, gigs and one of, you know, two of them were, uh, well, one of them was the pervasive, I ran corporate, I ran communications, global communications for the pervasive computing team. It was a, an emerging business opportunity for them. And it was all, you know, all of the uh, uh, voice activated cars and embedded technologies and all the stuff before any of this was you know, normal yeah. to all of us right now. Yeah. And then also, you know, you know, so I was, I was charged with, with not owning anything much like in that, on that call, still being, <laughs> tagged, still, you know, but still being charged with running it all and, and yeah. hurting all the cats and getting everybody to do that. Same thing with uh, launching uh, uh, e-checks way back in the day. Uh, and that was, you know, that was very similar is multiple, multiple companies and somebody has to lead that stuff. So I'm the, the idiot that, I'm the You're idiot the that raises his hand all the time or forgets to duck and it just hits me and comes to me. So, and you've, you've done a career in tech, right? Basically tech communications, tech BR. I, or? I started, I started out on the agency side at the original Ogilvy and Mather on 450 Park Ave South, uh, doing uh, corporate and in issues work, ended up doing a little bit of uh, crisis work over at Roland uh, back way, 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 way back in the day. Uh, try. I dabbled uh, in, in some consumer stuff. I was the. I did uh, media relations for Remington for the Remington yeah. Rangers. So I got to work with Victor Kayam, uh, and who owned the New England Patriots at the time. Uh, that I realized that I did not like consumer PR. Was not good at it. Did not. Yeah. Did, it did not jazz me up as much as I expected it to. And then I got into. I got into tech. I you know I'm originally from Jersey. And when you're from Jersey, you work, you know, you, you work at AT AT&T. That's what you do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, and, and I had a professor, uh, Kim Pearson and Kim, if you're out there, uh, thank you again, who got me an internship at AT AT&T. And I just made some great contacts there and ended up doing some work with, with the team at Bell Labs uh, that created, uh, the Unix operating system. I actually, I actually am on a press release someplace. I'm sure it's in the Wayback machine launching, uh, the plan nine operating system with Dennis Ritchie and his team. And for anybody out there who doesn't know who Dennis Ritchie is, he's a Turing award winner from bell labs who, um, created this little, 
um, this little computer thing called the Unix operating system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of big deal. So that, I was way too young to realize just how cool that was. That was, yeah. yeah and you're doing, like, Mike, wait a second, Mike, 30 years in, in tech PR, give or take. Is that right? Yeah, it's why I have the hairline I do. <laughs> so, so tell me, I mean, I, I've been at it almost as long, 26, I think. Dave, you got to be close to that, too. You know, uh, I'm new to the this. biz, dude. 10 years in. <laughs> I, 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 I know otherwise. You know, we, we got the... Uh, we, we got the awards to show for what, what's uh, what's different for you. Cause I, I think about this, I get asked this question occasionally. I think about it uh, from time to time, uh, you know, 30 years in the business, what, what's different for you? Um, How has the experience changed? I think it's, I think, I think we're boomeranging uh, and I'm starting to, you know, just over the past year or so, I'm starting to see that more and more. Um, one of the things, what, what do you mean by that? What do you, what do you mean by boomerang? When I, when I first, when I, when I first started out, um, and going back actually to the AT&T days, there was, um, there was a seriousness to, to the PR, right. That was, I mean, I can, one of the examples that one of the, the policies that, that AT&T had and AT&T could do it because they were the big kahuna at the time was they never pre-briefed. There were no embargoes. Everybody got the news at the same time when it hit the wire on Tuesday at 8 a.m. I like it. Okay. I think we're starting to see that more adapted, right? So I know when I work with my teams, we try not to do embargoes as much as, um, you know, as we normally would have. Uh, That's in respect to the reporters. It's also in a realization that, most of the stuff we do does not require an embargo, <laughs> right? Well, it's a function of, to some extent, tell me if you agree with this. I mean, if you have the ability to pitch without one and you think you're reasonably confident that people are going to pay attention when your news comes out, I don't think you need an embargo. But I think if there's, if there's any doubt, if you think, you know, if, I guess my point is if, if you feel like it, it, the press might take some convincing, I, I still think you're better off shopping it early, wouldn't you say? Oh, I, I mean, we, I still think you, I still think there is a role for a role for that. I think that if you that if we as communicators are honest, are honest with ourselves and our clients and are doing it really correctly, everybody's an exclusive. It's not an embargo or anything else. It's an exclusive because we've targeted it, right? Because right. we're storytellers and we've found out how to tell that story to one reporter. Now it might mean we tell the same story, a different part of that story to somebody else, right? Fast company yeah. versus Bloomberg or a wire, uh, but really, we're, but we're tailoring it. That's smart because I, I really do think that that's the best, getting that one strong story um, is often much better than getting five pieces of a story that people, you know, wrote as quickly as they could. Absolutely. And, it, and, and it's not like there are five reporters left. To target, right? So there's reporter, yeah. Yeah, I mean they've been. I mean they've been that 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 entire sector has been decimated, and you you know you have to adapt. You have to adapt to it, uh, and and do it in a way that doesn't harm it anymore. Help them. Yeah, Yeah, I I I hear you. I think it's actually a good segue. We Dave, we don't have to get to it now, but it's a good segue into you know, how social media appeared on the scene and the influence that it's had. All right. 
but we can uh, you, let, I, I let's get to Mike let's, with a few more questions no? yeah let, let's get to that really quick uh, you know let's do really some quick questions for mike we got a little bit of your background tell us about your worst or most embarrassing client uh or job experience in pr in 30 years in this business give or take it goes back to my first gig at Ogilvy and Mather when I was doing uh, media relations work for Shell Oil Company. I don't know, nobody else will remember this, but you used to be able to go to a gas station and there'd be these little yellow how-to books, tip books called the Shell Answer books that you pick <laughs> up. How to drive in bad weather, how not to get your car stolen, yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff. And that was my job. It was to was to pitch them. So I'd wake up in the morning, go you know planes, trains, and automobile into onto the east side of uh, Manhattan. I'd I open up the paper, which was what you had to do at the time. Where's it raining? It's Santa Barbara. That's where I'm pitching the bad weather. <laughs> I mean, it was that's exactly what it was. Uh, so it came time to do, you know, to, to go and do some account work. And uh, the account soup at the time was Dave Taker. Uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant PR person. Uh, and he goes down and I had done I had done the deck for him, and it was back when Harvard Graphics was the was the slide program. It was pre pre PowerPoint, and he goes down and he takes the deck and he presents it to Sam Morton, who was the client. And Houston comes back. I'm like, "How'd it go? How'd it go?" He goes, "It went really well." Sam was really happy. Oh, by the way, it's public relations. <laughs> <laughs> We know types. that they're missing an L in that whole thing. I, yep. I, I've seen somebody come out do that before in the whole slide in front of 100 people, and it was pubic relations. So sometimes <laughs> it is pubic relations, <laughs> and that and it and it just uh, you know that one is stuck with me throughout the. <laughs> I I've also seen some agency people that have done some when I was yeah. on the corporate side that have done some stuff that have stuck with me that are drop dead funny that nobody should ever hear anything. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> all right um you know I, we spent some time on you i'm gonna keep going from the questions let's just get right into the big pitch if that's okay with you guys unless mike you really want to answer the rest of those questions no nah, i mean i know one of the questions you wanted to ask was who was the most famous person i've ever met and that one's the for me that's always the easiest one it was chris farley i got to hang out on stage on the what? set really that's an unusual one yeah, yeah. how's yeah. that happen Went on a skiing trip right after college and with, uh, it was a keg bus going up to Quebec and the person in front of me was, did, did you say, assistant. a did you say a keg bus? No, it was a bus with a keg in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the, and the person in front of me was an assistant still photographer. We got to talking, forgot everything about it. We must've exchanged business cards. I go back in, I'm working on 52nd and Broadway at Roland company and it day i get a call hey remember me from the trip uh they're rehearsing today if you want to come on over i figure i'm just going to go on over and you know just sit in the stands while the while the, and watch the cast rehearse i walk in she walks me right up onto the stage hey this is chris we're shooting with chris today wow mike myers walks by me g <laughs> myth was walked by me which made me feel really tall um <laughs> And then, uh, and then Kevin Klein stood next to me. He was the guest that that night, and I've never felt shorter in my hey, life. He's a big dude. Yeah. Are, are, are we talking? Are we talking Roland the music 
electronic music company or a different? No, company? Roland, um, the Saatchi and Saatchi arm, PR arm. I see. Right. Okay. Great. All right. Now I've never done anything outside of this. Like I think I'm unhirable outside of PR. <laughs> that makes three of us. Yeah. Well, Bob Ware from the Grateful Dead won't be an accountant. How about that? So you know, <laughs> he's unhirable too. <laughs> All right, let's get to the big pitch. Everybody, just as a reminder, the big pitch is what we're going to try to focus on that day. It's named after what they do at PR agencies. There's a big pitch for a big client. Um, and we're basically focusing on one thing. And Kevin, this week, we have news that he's pointed out. Well, everybody saw it. It's Trump and Facebook and the death of free speech. Numerous articles have been written about this, you know, and I guess we want to talk a little bit about social media, which uh, which was supposed to de democratize free speech, but actually killed it by putting social media companies in the position of deciding who gets to say what. And in the case of Facebook, they outsourced it to a cabal of unknowns around the world um, who make a decision of whether or not this thing comes back. Donald Trump was allowed to be back on stage. So, Kevin... <laughs> You, you seem pretty passionate about this. We've talked really, about it in the past. What's I, I going on? I think it's an important topic. I, I, I really do. I, um, I can't think of many more important communications subjects, really. So, you know, like you said, Facebook's oversight board, which talk about an ominous name, right? The oversight board. Uh, they made a decision this week to uh, maintain the ban on former President Trump uh, in terms of his ability to publish on its platform Although uh, Facebook's, the board pushed back pretty hard on Facebook and said, you'd have to review the decision in six months and you need to you know, be more transparent uh, about how you're coming to these decisions uh, going forward. So it, you know, it amounted to a slap on the wrist, but uh, the point of the story, guys, is that it maintained the idea that, um, that, that social media companies, the bigger ones who obviously carry the most weight, the Facebooks and the Twitters and such, they are now very clearly in a position to decide uh, who and what gets posted on their platform. And I, you know, I think that that would be, in fact, I was reading some articles about this uh, over the last couple of days. And the idea that Facebook would be in this position at all really is counter to what Mark Zuckerberg has said in the past about the, the mission of Facebook, the point of Facebook. So I wanted to put it out to the group, but do we, how do we feel essentially about social media companies uh, like Facebook being the arbiter of speech? Are we okay with that? What impact does that have on, um, on, you know, communications? What impact does it have on politics? What impact does it have on us as consumers of news? Uh, how do y'all feel about that? So uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but uh, I wanted to put it out. Um, so first of all, why couldn't they just keep them off? <laughs> I mean, Twitter made the easy decision. Like, you know, what? It, it, would that have been the right move? I mean, to, uh, to that, I don't know. Ever since January 6th, since he's been gone, it's been kind of nice. Right. I don't have to deal with the news cycle that deals with lies and, and things like that all the time. You know, I mean, I'm, I, I get free speech, but when everything that you're peddling is a lie or an, instigation of suggested violence, hatred, racism, divisiveness. 
Get the fuck out of here, man. A, I, don't want, I wouldn't even hang out in a room with you. <laughs> like, you know, like, like who wants to hang out with the negative guy? <laughs> you know? so, so, Mike, is that is that your take as well? Do you think that Facebook should be in a position to decide what gets to be published to two billion people on a regular basis? Well, I don't think I don't I don't think we're asking a bigger question. Right. And it's <laughs> and it's and it's the and it's the one and it's the one that, you know, that Facebook has to has to grapple with itself. Uh, you know, as many companies do, what is the what is the company they want to be? Do they want to be a publisher? Do they want to be a community? Do they want to be a? Um, do they want to be neutral? In do which do case, they have a choice at this point? Well, I would, I would look at their that. business model, right? So, on e- on each of those, they have to make decisions that fundamental each of those each of those decisions fundamentally changes what that company is because if you let's let's say yes we would we would just like to be out here it's a platform we're not going to touch it well okay goodbye algorithms goodbye advertising that's right it it crushes the business model Uh, the question is like are they do they have the ability at this point to put that you know, back in the box. Like, I, I think it's, we've moved past that, right? So they're kind of like, a, it's almost like a public institution at this point. Its ability to disseminate news at the volume and scale that it does has, despite the, you know, the fact that this is a public company with, you know, very real revenue and, and you know, sales and all that kind of stuff. I mean, do they're, they're kind of, um, there's something that, uh, here you go. Are they too big to fail? Right to use a two thousand eight uh, term. Like, I, I wonder if we're it's okay to for them to be able to make that decision at this point. Nobody's too big to fail. Something yeah. will something will come along and knock them off. Right? There's there's no such thing as too big to fail. MySpace was too big to fail. AOL was too big to fail. Right? All of that stuff that was here beforehand. Something came through. Something better. And what happens is people people see it and they're like, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand for this. And you can already you can already see that on on Facebook, right? People, people are waking up a little bit. So, so Dave, we depend on the news, many of us, not me personally, but many people depend on Facebook to, to get the news. Should Facebook- There's the problem. A, well, that's the reality though. I mean, that's, but that's- it's, I mean, there's no way, that's my point. There's no way around that, right? Two billion people are on the platform every day. Should Facebook get to decide what's news? Dave, I don't, do think? I, I don't think they decide what's news. I think they take the feed from the news i i think they i think the bigger oh. question is do they get to decide what you know <laughs> what the news what, is. What, what, what lies spread i mean no no i mean like i could be lying all day on my facebook feed right but i'm not you know i'm not that important they absolutely decide so they absolutely absolutely decide yeah because the story yeah right well so i mean the algorithm are, and they are i mean I would I'd argue if I was a lawyer that they are fiscally required to game the system and use their algorithms to surface the stuff that is most engaging, mm. whether it's true or not. Right? They're not if, and that's that that, that is the problem is the not true point. part. That's right. That's and like point. I don't like the not true part. And then you know, like, can they algorithm their ways out of that? I don't think so. I mean, it's stuff pops up, man. It's like the algorithms not designed for it. The algorithm's yeah. not designed for it. it. It can't, it fiscally can't be designed for it. They, 
if they if they design an algorithm that limits traffic, that hurts their business. If I'm a shareholder and you're hurting my and and you're doing Absolutely. something to hurt your business, Absolutely. One of the problems is, is, their is business model's broken. I, I was reading this article in Wired this week. I, I shared it to you guys before. I don't know if you had a chance to check yeah, it out. Gilad, Ad, Gilad Edelman's piece. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember the author of the article, but there's a um, it's a discussion. There's a Q and A in there with this yeah, doctor at Harvard, right? It's fantastic. it's fantastic. Everybody should read this. Totally, it's a, it's yeah. a great article. You're right, Gilad Edelman, right? So, it, you know, they talk about this algorithm. So uh, apparently. You know, initially, uh, there was an algorithm that said, Facebook that said, if, if there's an image that shows up of, of women's boobs, then you have to take it down. And that was, so I'm just going to quote from this article, but basically says that was the dominant approach for a while. Then people would go, hold on, you're removing a whole bunch of things that have societal value, like people raising awareness about breast cancer or people breastfeeding that shouldn't be stigmatized. Or in a bunch of cultures, adult nudity and breasts are perfectly normal, accepted, celebrated kind of expression. So without going, I'll stop the quote there, but the point is there's nuance, right? And uh, putting Facebook in a position where it actually has to make judgment calls um, that are, uh, you know, that are based on the opinion of whoever the heck's on this oversight board. So I, I think that's where we start to go down this path. In 2016 and beyond has shined a painful spotlight on that, but this has been going on for, you know, it was going on for years before, the question is what to do about it, right? Or to Mike's point, maybe there's nothing to be done. A lot of it, a lot of it comes down to having a a solid policy and guardrails in place mm-hmm. that you abide by, and and what you're really looking for is consistency there. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's why the Facebook oversight cabal board. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just trying to insert something here. Uh, came back to Facebook and put it on them. You know, you need to work on your policies around this. And it, and it wasn't very clear uh, for them. I think that's one of the big findings on it. And, you know, I, yeah, we're not going to find the answers here today, but I think we have our opinions and I think we're, we're paid for our, opinion, our opinions. And I think it's like, you know, do the right thing. Um, and, you know, allowing lies to uh, pop populate and spread out uh, is not the right thing to do. I, I agree with you, Dave. I just think it's a really thin line between, uh, you know, you, uh, in my personal opinion, I'm glad to see Trump off Facebook, right? I hope, wish we never, you know, wish he was never on it, wish we never heard of the guy at all. But, you know, we have to be careful when we start to say, like, when we start to make decisions that affect so many people based on uh, a particular set of values that may not be consistent with the values of, you know, of other people and, and the, you know, millions of other people in, in this case, in the case of Trump. So I, I think it's a, it's a really, it's a balancing act. Um, I think it's a, that's why I mentioned kind of like, almost like, you know, Facebook being a public institution and maybe we, back to Mike's point about guardrails, maybe you do need outside organizations, the government uh, to be involved in that process when it well, affects so many people. Uh, I think legislation is on its way for these tech companies. And I think this, this, these last four, four years or so basically got both sides of the political parties on their asses. Meaning, you know, I think they, they need to be regulated in some way in some sort of legislation because they may not be too big to fail. And I, and I would argue that 
you know, social network is not a, a necessary thing like the entire global banking system. Um, but they are, they may be too big, right? And they, if it gets too big, that's when regulations come in, right? And that's where, you know, when Mike was working at AT&T back in the day and then the 1996 Telecommunications Act came out and broke everything up and made it more competitive, right? So I think, you know, beyond just free speech things, there's, there's going to be a point where some of these tech companies get too big. But Mike's point about fiscal responsibility uh, is an important one because that's, I think, what's driving a lot of this uh, in terms of their grappling with the issue right? You know, yeah. what engages us, engages our users and keeps them coming back versus what we know is not right and not a lie. So dollar here, a lie there, a dollar here, two, yeah. two lies right. over there. Right? Yes. So. I, I, I know what I'm, I know what the right thing is to do, but it is going to result in me losing billions and billions of dollars. That's right. Right. That's that because that becomes the, and, and eventually, you know, Ultimately, ultimately, it's not the platforms, right? Ultimately, it's not Facebook. It's not Twitter. And I would argue Twitter is more of a public um, utility than any than anything. But I've made that case for years. It's just the river of news. Um, but the eventually, this is you know ultimately this has got to come down to real humans, right? Those of us in society, those of us around us becoming more news literate, becoming, um, you know, not allowing, not allowing ourselves to be duped like this. Good luck with that. (laughs) Hey, I want to throw this at you guys. I found this journal article that listed, I hope you guys didn't see this because I want to spring it on you. A list of decisions that the Facebook oversight board had to make over the past three months. There are like seven of them here. And I want to, I'm going to tell you what, uh, what decision was made and then by Facebook initially. And then I want you to guess whether the oversight board uh, overturned it or upheld it. Okay. Overturned or upheld. You guys no. got exactly yeah. overturned or upheld. Okay. January 28th, Facebook removed a post commenting on the lack of reaction from Muslims to the treatment of the Uyghur, 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 Uyghur. Uyghur thank you. Yeah. Uyghur Muslims in China compared with Muslims, violent reactions to cartoons in France. So they removed that post. Do you think that the oversight board overturned it or upheld the suspension of that content? Overturned. 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 You both got that one. All right, next one. Uh, January, also January 28th, Facebook removed a post that used the Russian slur Tazix to describe Azerbaijanis. Overturned or upheld? Overturned. Overturned. Upheld. Really? Was yeah. it racist or something? I guess so. It's a Russian slur. Yeah. January 28th, Facebook removed a post that included photos of breast cancer symptoms, which in some cases showed uncovered female nipples. God forbid. Overturned or upheld? It better be overturned. Mike? Overturned. Correct. You had to think about that one a little bit. Well, I had to think, well, like you put yourself into, into their shoes. Uh, and then you, and I'm trying to think of what would, what would have happened, but yeah, because there's some interesting things here on the on undercurrent here on this stuff. Right. Right. So it's, it's judgment, right? It's, uh, 
you know, and, and it's consistency and mm-hmm. it's money and it's, I mean, there's just a whole bunch of issues here. I'll throw a couple more at you guys. Pressure. Here. Pressure. Absolutely. Uh, also January 28th, Facebook. Removed day. January yeah. 28th was a bad day. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, Half the team quit after that with the base camp people. They're like, let's get out of here. Um, <laughs> Facebook removed a post, including an alleged quote from Nazi propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, in an attempt to draw a comparison with Donald Trump. Overturned or upheld? Well, that's a trick one. Right? Upheld. It was upheld. Overturned. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. So, that's accurate, what so I mean. accurate, quote, accurate quote then. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right. Uh, okay. Give you, we got a few more, but I'll give you, I'll give you two more here. Um, April 13th, Facebook removed a post that included a video with caricatures of black people in the form of blackface upheld or overturned. They removed them. Yep. Upheld. They removed the video. Yeah. Black people in the form of blackface. You'd have you'd have to know I'd have to know context. Upheld though, I'm gonna go with. Yeah, you're right. You're both right. Yep. Yeah. Last one. Facebook on April 29th removed a post suggesting certain political groups in India were planning violence against members of the Sikh religious group. Upheld. Upheld. Overturned. What? They were they overturned violence? Of calls for violence? Shades hmm. gray, man. Depends on who you ask, right? January 28th, January 6th. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's weird. My point is it's it's a, it's a, you know, it's a difficult issue. It's a lot harder than I think we make it out to, to be. Um, I think it's a challenging thing. And and again, my point really is it's why I think it probably does not belong in the hands of Mark Zuckerberg and and company. Right. Or some, or some, or some, or some company generated quasi cabal independent <laughs> especially you know, when you're beholden judgment. to shareholders especially yeah. when you're beholden to shareholders you're, if That's, you're beholden to shareholders you're legally beholden to shareholders obligated first. you're obligated yeah. legally yeah. yeah you go to jail That's right. now, and but you know you talk about that but i think that um it was a evelyn dweck uh who was the um the uh in that wired piece she was the student that uh, the researcher yep. that, that yep. did that there's some really good stuff in there um, where, where she makes a case of there's probably a, you know, don't yell fire in a theater, in a crowded theater threshold. And we're finding new, we're finding new things that fit into that threshold. Right. Yeah. And she, she, and she said, you know, the pandemic sort of started, sort of started that off with, with vaccines and stuff. So that it, there may be a, not really a sliding scale, but there may be things that if it's dangerous to the public good and there's an, and there's a common agreed upon, you know, just like with porn, we don't know. I know when I see it. Yeah. Then there but, might but be Trump, Trump and his guys would say, obviously what they'd say the common good. That's what we're talking about. Right. And so that's where you were that, that thin line yeah. shows up. Right. And so I think it, I just I get real uncomfortable whenever I hear about an oversight board at Facebook. Yeah. I know Mark Zuckerberg is in charge of, and he is making his. Now I might agree with his decisions today. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with his decisions tomorrow. Yeah, and right. that makes me uncomfortable. Right, and I mean that list. It's you just you don't know. You, it's all. Yeah, it's we we didn't know. Stuff. We did bad on that. Hey, so 
I did better than I did in college. <laughs> you did, you did good. 50%. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In, in the interest of getting through with this show, we've got, we've got some great segments coming up. That was a great discussion, by the way, on the You told Facebook me we were going for death. 24 hours on this show. Oh, we're going to- <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Lewis tell straight Jerry, to the Jerry Lewis telethon. Right. So, there are a whole uh, bunch of people listening right now going, huh? Who? <laughs> Much more time. Yeah. Um, let, let, you know, in keeping with Trump and keeping with politics and keeping stuff like that, uh, we wanted to point out, um, Mike brought this up uh, in, our, in our brainstorming session. Let's talk about the White House press office and why every communications pro should be studying what's happening there in that office, whether it be messaging, discipline, executive tone, things of that nature. So the, the, the White House communications director, Jen Sat. Asky, Sasky, <laughs> she's really good. I have been thoroughly impressed. It is totally different from the way that room was run before. And in fact, that room stopped running for a while. I don't even think they did uh, 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 press briefings or anything like that for a long time. So um, it's, it's a wonder to see. I, I, I love it. And I think for as a communications professional, and, and in fact, when, when I try to describe my work, that so people understand it i always say look at the white house press secretary i think that's the top job in comms that's the chief communications officer of chief communications officers if you will so it is it is the it is it is known as the and recognized as the toughest job in all of comms the pinnacle of all pinnacles when i go to tell my you know 30 years in still trying to tell my parents and describe to my parents what i do i'm like Remember watching the West Wing? I do all of that stuff except for the president. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> that's a good way to put it. I do right, all of that stuff except for the president. Yeah. yeah. You that's can replace the president. Job is, you, the, yeah. The, the, the dunces that work that room, that manage that room under Trump, it's, uh, that's embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I, yeah, I, I think uh, there's no question that uh, Jen Saki, I hope we're, we're saying this last name right, she's brought uh, decorum and uh, class and uh, and so forth to and skill, like, dude, like an amazing she's, skill. She's skill. Damn and, she's, good. and she's doing it every day. Uh, like I, I, I think actually, she's, I think she's going to go down in history as one of, if not the best press secretaries we've seen. In modern yeah. history. Okay, but wait that a is, second. That, Isn't that like let's say you let's say you like went to McDonald's one day and like you ate like a lousy cheeseburger, but then the next day, like you you know you were at some like five star restaurant, you got this big juicy burger. Like it's gonna look great regardless. Like it, it may she may be doing a great job, but she's comparing she's compared most recently to. Uh, some it's of the, the discipline. That, it's yeah. the discipline, right? That, like there's there is now discipline in in a in a function that requires that right because because the stuff that they deal with the communications that they have the messaging that they have to communicate is so important it makes anything that any of us or any of our peers do pale in comparison so there's this there's this there's this phrase that I've heard from friends that have been in the White House that have said you know good enough to work in the White House meaning you may be really, really good at what you do. You may be the best at what you do, but you have to be 
better than that to be good enough to work in the White House. And we mm-hmm. didn't have that for a couple for a couple of years, right? We had, oh, I found you on the side of the street, and you're yeah, you'll do. Go up and stand behind this podium and say and 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 antagonize people. Now we have some, but now we have a team in there. It's not even her, just her. It's the, it's the entire team that they've built there uh, that is beyond professional. They're, they are good enough to work. To yeah. Work. Uh, to, to go to your analogy, Kevin, from cheeseburger at McDonald's to a fine dining restaurant uh, with a fancy cheeseburger with Chuck steak and filet mm. mignon all in rounded in one. Uh yeah, there, there might be a little bit of element from coming from a low bar to a high bar, but no, I, I've watched this team and I've watched her take these questions. They, it, it is delivered with, you know, discipline and honesty and skill. And, you know, honesty being one, if she doesn't know about it and she's flipping through briefing books, not afraid to go through something and find out like, nope, I don't know about that. I will get back to you. Right. You know, and, uh, taking questions and the way that she's handling uh, reporters with an ax to grind. Uh, she's not taking crap from them either, but she's not saying it in a way that is, uh, you know, they don't out know of decorum. Being, yeah. Out of decorum. She, she does it respectfully. Like she, you know, it's, it's like she's making, making fun of you uh, and calling you out without ever really going directly at you. They don't see the finger marks on their cheeks until after they've left and they realized they were slapped. Yeah, it's like you know, like she'll like for, if I was going to jump in the pool, I will, you know, I may be the fattest guy in the pool, but she'll just say, "You'll have the most displacement of water," right? So, you know. So. I want to. I just want to push back a little and take the contrarian view of this. And I'm not. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this, but you know, under Trump, uh, you know, he spoke directly to people via Twitter, and you could make a case, as the Trump administration did numerous times, that despite the fact that the White House official briefings disappeared and that, you know, he almost rarely, almost never spoke uh, to the press or to the people in that way, you know, for years and really until the pandemic showed up, you could argue that he was the most accessible, the most public of, uh, of presidents we've ever had, given the way that he reached people through Twitter and Facebook and, you know, and cable news, I guess. Yeah. In other words, did we? In other words, did we need? Do we need those briefings? As great as this Jen Psaki woman is at her job, how important is that role today? How important is that operation relative to other ways that presidents can communicate and and maybe be as effective or more effective at getting their message out? All I know is if I if my CEO spent half of his day on social media, communicating like that, I would. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 the first call you'd get is from the board. What the, what the hell is he doing? Well, it's, uh, right? it's but, but, but I don't, I, you know, I don't, ex, I don't expect and nor do, would I want my CEO to be communicating constantly on there. It's fine for a start, might be fine for a startup, but you wouldn't see a fortune 50 company um, CEO doing that. Right. Except when they want, except when they need to, it, it, what it does is, you know, here, the old, the old trope is it kills their, it kills their impact. So when you, when you actually need, when they actually need to say something that matters, it's just more noise. Yeah. No, I I, I actually, 
I had actually had a recent experience with that. I was working with startups for a while, went to a Fortune 100 company, and ended up working pretty closely with the CEO. A uh, new CEO had to get him out there, and he want you know he's very he's one of those guys that does the business and does the work, uh, but also realizes that you know he has to get on media to tell the story, even though he doesn't really want to do it. And we got him out a lot. And then he called me up one day and he's like, I think I'm out too much. Right. Mm -hmm. And like I've always said, pe get people in the news or keep them out of the news. And, you know, it's true. What you, what you just said, Mike, was like, you don't want them always in the media. Just you, you, you're affecting the impact. You're using these. And this is what you call strategic communications. When's the best time to deliver your message? When mm -hmm. and where and what you're going to say? There's a tone, right? There, yeah. Because there's, 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 there. It also, it also, it also affects tone, and you want to have every word matters. I tell my teams this all the time. Every, the reason we do what we do is because every single word that we use matters. It matters, and you need to be, you need to be disciplined in what those words, in what those words are, how they go together. That's one of the reasons why I love what they're doing with with this administration with a communication shop, is. You know, my fa my favorite thing is the uh, you know at the end of the week. They, I'm pretty sure it's the end of the week. They the communications shop drops a a weekly report. Here are the five things we did this week. Every communications pro should go look at that because that that tweet that they put out is what they should be sending to They're their delivering leaders. a result every week. Yeah, in that tone, right? There's no fluff in there. We did. We accomplished this. Yeah, on this. Yeah, I, right. you know, I think it's definitely it, it serves the needs of the PR people. I'm not sure it best serves the needs of the, you know, the company chief company executive or the necessarily even the message that they want to get. You, you look at, I mean, Trump's an easy example, but like Elon Musk is another really good one. And that guy goes direct, and sometimes it it ends up hurting him. But um, you know, who's got okay. more followers? Who's got more attention? Yeah. Who's got more money? Um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they're both using the same social media agency ghosting for them. I, I yeah, uh, <laughs> the one that doesn't exist because well, they're typing that shit themselves. Yeah, we, or, we, yeah. We, we, yeah, right. We we talked about this before. There's only a few people who could do that, right? Yeah. And so it's not, and that's why there's people like us that are in work because they need help with it. And hell, some people are focused on you know just trying to manage a team or grow a business or uh, things like that. All right, let's go on to a game here. Let's bring back a game here. Oh, by the way, the message on that is if you're in comms, go check out the White House uh, uh, press conference. It's it's really you learn a lot just watching that that thing. So thanks for bringing that up, Mike. So let's, let's go to the games. We have a recurring segment called the messaging doc, uh, which is short for the messaging doctor. Today, Dr. Mike Maney is in the house. And he has two patients coming in. Uh, the patients are Basecamp co-founders David and Jason. And if you're not familiar with Basecamp, but Basecamp recently sent out a controversial memo and offered a severance uh, uh, package for anybody who didn't agree with the memo. And in that memo, there was a couple of things that they were going to start taking away you know, basic training uh, for things. But most importantly, you were no longer allowed to talk about societal and political discussions on internal 
company forums. And they got a lot of press last week. And then this week we find out that maybe a third to a little bit more than a third had left the company and taken the severage package. And so there's about 18 people, but there's only 56 people at the company. Um, and they're out of here. So David, uh, David, well, I'll be David. And be David? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's my name I'm already. Okay. You're Jason. I'm Jason. Got it. And we're, we're going into the messaging docs office. Yeah. Uh, well, doctor, thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing to see us on short notice. It's been uh, it's been a busy week, and uh, we're, we're 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 kind of in a bind here. So thanks for making time. So yeah, doc, we uh, sent out a memo that was going to set some things straight for us with regards to all this noise that's out there in the world, like you know, Black Lives Matter, COVID nineteen, political elections, Asian hate, whatever it is. I don't want to be talked about anymore internally because it's messing up with how we deliver products and work with our customers. And it's really not the place for that. But <laughs> people didn't like it. Where do we go wrong? What did we do wrong? <laughs> Help me out one, here. One minute we like, thought we were uh, doing the right thing. Next I minute mean, we obviously didn't put our foot in our mouths. Yeah. You uh, go to work, you're supposed to do your work, right, Cal? I mean, Jason? <laughs> Jason. You're well, Jason. Doctor, right, tell, Jason. Us, tell, tell us what's wrong with us here. Diagnose the problem, please. You're going to want to sit down for this. I have some <laughs> bad news to give you. Um, we have done. Way, okay. How much is this going to cost? Because we lost a lot of money this week. Uh, this will uh, just in the spirit of sympathy, this will cost you nothing. Um, I, we, we have done everything we can and we would like to make this as easy your your last days as easy as hospice. possible on you. This is hospice. This is, yes, we there is oh, the shit. you are. We are just pure on hospice right now. Oh my god. Do you well, have your uh, do you have your affairs in order? <laughs> Clearly we do not. Uh, we got to you know we got to pay a bunch of people uh, I guess less than we did a few weeks ago uh, get those people paid. There is um, one more Hail Mary I could we could try it is un oh. it is untested. Um and we can, you know, you can you can take some of your money off of the table, public, oh. and give your and and give your, you know, and and announce that you are giving the you, the country? you have made a mistake and you are you've recognized that you're going to go off to an island and fix yourself up, taking whatever money you're doing off the table for the, cut our losses, get the hell out of town, cut your losses. <laughs> but you are going to but you are going to leave enough money in the bank and in the company to allow the remaining employees to run to take the company further, uh, and you are going to commit to hiring to allowing them to hire back at your cost the the 15 or so employees that quit. Doctor, I, this As is great. I don't know actions. what the hell we were thinking. Uh, David, what kind of what kind of drugs were we taking that caused us to write this memo? Do you do you have any recollection? Uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's I, I don't know. Maybe is there a pill for being thinking larger parts of society instead of just my business? I don't know. Help me right. out. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, uh, I think you uh, know what happened. I think is we watched that um, Jerry Maguire movie. Right before we wrote Show that thing and that, that manifesto that Jerry wrote in the beginning. And we thought that's a great fucking idea. Like we should we should put out this thing that says like this is how people should think and uh, everyone should be like us. And by the way, we'll only bend those rules when it suits us. 
And uh, I guess it turned out that that was a bad idea. Oh, and the other rule is all of the all of the money that you pull out of the that you pull out of the company in this scenario has to be held in a Coinbase account. <laughs> uh, I think that's fair, Doctor Mike Maney. I mean, seriously, here, I, I just foobar all the way across. Do you think this whole thing was? What are your all, total all the way across? This? No, re- no, re- no recovery from a communication standpoint without total implosion. Um, it's you know it's. This, this sticks with them. They've already, you, you don't lose that many employees that quickly uh, and, and recover to anywhere near where you were. Your, your ability to recruit from, from this point on out is going to be, you know, is going to be more than, more than a challenge as well as it is with um, companies, with customers, because you've declared what kind of company you are uh, and, what, and, what you, and what you stand for or don't stand for. And that is something that you now have to live with. That is your brand. Talk about shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, we're going to go think- pack our bags. I'm, I'm thinking the Bahamas, but I don't know if that's far enough away. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we message doctors don't always get paid to bring the good news. A lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, so, so, sometimes you're telling us wrong life support like this. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Shit, I, I, I guess uh, there's there's not much else to do, but uh, <laughs> you know, but but uh, but hit the road. I mean, you've tried. You've you. I thought, I mean, but we tried everything, and we watched. You, you've tried every. You've tried every messaging option in the book, and every story in the book. You I mean you guys haven't shut up? So I mean, we well, offered. Like, there is one thing. thing left. There's, there's one thing. There's one thing that we could do still. We uh, we got to start pointing the fingers at, at somebody else. We got to tell. We, we got to pin this on, you know, some PR person. Frankly, <laughs> right? Right. Move, right? Yeah. Like, we we weren't planning to put this out. Our comms guy convinced us it was the right approach. Uh, we were hacked. We were hacked. <laughs> we were there hacked. you go. That's <laughs> even better. If, if, the if Russians. Willing, it was the Russians, man. <laughs> Absolutely. No, You're I, great coders. You should be able, you know, you should be able to do something there. Isn't there some sort of Ruby on Rails code you can write <laughs> make it look go. like you were hacked? That's, that's genius. I think we got. Oh our man, I don't even think there's an exit strategy for these guys anymore, right? I mean, they 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 were they were they were hot, really hot, and then Asana and a few other places, project management software companies, really took off. I was surprised that they only had like 56 employees. I thought they were much bigger than that. Everyone honestly. was. Yeah. Was. Yep. All right, guys, that was fun, Mike. Thanks for being our doctor, the messaging doctor. You know, it's always, at least I feel a little bit better, even though the news hasn't been great. So thank you. (laughs) We'll make it peaceful. Thank you. All right, our final segment today is Rep, Fire, or Refer. Mr. Manny's on tap again as a wonderful guest uh, to either rep somebody, fire somebody, or refer them to somebody. And this week, we have Bill Gates. Melinda Gates, who recently announced their split, and Aaron Rodgers, who's recently announcing his split. <laughs> or right. what a split <laughs> from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Kevin, you want to add more context to that before no, Mike goes I, off? I, I think you nailed it, man. I, I think uh, this is uh, got the power couple, uh, and then you've got the uh, you know the whiny Aaron Rodgers, and I, I think it's, uh, it's a crapshoot. So Mike... Uh, Four is yours. So we're going to start at the we're going to start on the right hand side of the of the equation here, and we're we're definitely firing Aaron Rodgers. You're going to fire him. Just not the kind of person you want to work with on that. Nope, not going to be satisfied. Fired. 
<laughs> I, I'm struggling on rep and refer with Bill and Melinda. Okay. Right. Because they both are still going to be pretty cool. Right. If you're coming from a, if you're a communicator, that's still going to be pretty cool. But I'm going to rep Bill. Yeah. And the reason, and the reason is, is my just basically based on my background, I find him interesting. He's like, you know, some of the other innovators that I've had the, you know, that I've had the opportunity to work with uh, and tell stories for over the years. And he's a big thinker. I love that. I'd refer Melinda because I believe because she's doing some amazing work uh, with the foundation, and I believe there are probably better people for her mm. that could do a better job. Mm. Do you think that she and, and Jeff Bezos' ex-wife wife get together and just talk a load of shit? Like, do, do you think they're <laughs> just like dumping all over their ex-husbands? I think that's got to be like a thing, right? I, I think that that's like a great podcast coming soon. Melinda oh, yeah. and uh, forgive me, I can't remember Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. So Mackenzie. So, Mackenzie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a killer pod or a book or like I, I had not thought about that, but that would be interesting, right? Yeah. You know, I mean yeah, yeah, they both yeah, got yeah. a Bill lot of money to his, give away. <laughs> Bill backed his jet up into the door again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, they could dish all day, man. I, I'd watch that TV show. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thank you for being here. Thank you for playing our games. Thank you for this awesome discussion. It was really thoughtful. You made us look dumb. Um, and you're obviously pretty much smarter than us. We'd love to have you on again. And, you know, um, uh, that was fun. So thanks for joining us. Kevin, any parting words? No, Mike, you were great. Really appreciate your time, man. Take care. I really, I really appreciate it. I had an absolute blast. All right, guys. Uh, we will see everyone next week. Cheers. <laughs>